Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so going to party. Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. It's another episode of the Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast and now video cast where we interview uh, your favorite actors, comedians, uh, musicians from film and television all over the place. And if there is a pop culture subject to talk about, we will cover it here. And today we have a very special guest. I mean, we've been very lucky to have so many great comedians on the show and, and the likes. And today... We're talking to, of course, the legendary Pete Lee, who has a special that's been out for a few months, Tall, Dark, and Pleasant, which is available on Showtime. I've watched this several times, and again, as we were talking before we were recording, we've been trying to get Pete on the show for a while. So, Pete, thanks for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. And, you know, before the show, we were just chatting about, uh, you know, normally you have people on that are promoting stuff. And, uh, you know, my specials on Showtime, it's and Showtime is on their, you know, the, the specials on their app and it's also on demand. So it's not like a special where it used to air on HBO and then all of a sudden it's just never available again. You know, like <laughs> yes. people like I'm still promoting it because essentially, you know, my goal in the whole thing is that I want as many people to see it as possible. And the fact that it lives on their platform for two years means that like it can grow from the time that it airs until the end of that two years. And then, you know, like that, like my other goal as a comedian is that I want to get another special, whether it's with Showtime or another platform and the numbers of this, you know, like, like it's, it's, it's crazy how, how metrics focused we are nowadays. Like, like think about it, like even just normal people, um, they post a picture on Instagram and then they're like, oh, what are the metrics? Like you go back and you check your, it's got 78 likes. Oh, my, my aunt Kathy commented on it, you know? <laughs> yes. So um, like everybody from me to, you know, other people, like we're all about metrics and I'm, uh, I've heard that we're, you know, we have pretty good metrics on the, you know, on the special. And so like, let's keep it going. And uh, I, one of the things when it, the thing was being promoted and I'm going to, um, I'm going to figure out a way for you to send, to send this to you. Uh, and I don't know if you can post it or like, you know, interloop it into the, the video podcast, but somebody there's, there's a, a calendar that comes out every single year called chicken daddies. And I don't even know what chicken daddies <laughs> is. Uh, I would think that it's something sort of erotic or something. I don't know what it is or if know. it's just sort of like a wholesome farmer thing. Uh, but it's like handsome dudes that uh, are like, it looks like they're chicken farmers um, or like it's it's like handsome dudes posing with chickens or or like <laughs> it's and maybe not even necessarily handsome dudes. And um, uh, anyway, somebody was like, dude, did you know? Uh, that your special poster is in the chicken daddy's calendar and nice. I'll try to hold it up, but there's this dude who is posing in times square. I don't know if you can see that with the glare of the that. ring light. Yeah. So he's posing in times square. This is one. I don't know what month this is. Uh, let's just, let's just say that it's November, uh, Mr. November. And then uh, people had told me that my poster was in times square 
Nice. And, but nobody had gotten a picture of it. And I, I like really regretted that because I had always wanted a poster in Times Square. And all of a sudden, this person sent this to me today The in the chicken daddy's calendar, uh, the tall, dark and pleasant thing is right there. So uh, who knows? Maybe we're going to see a huge influx of people watching the special on Showtime from the chicken daddy's calendar. <laughs> just a whole month messaging. of people. <laughs> it's interesting. You said something that caught my attention in the fact that this does live, it's streaming, so it lives on the app, it's on demand, and people can watch it whenever they want. It's I was We have another guest coming on here in a couple days who had a special out several years ago. I think it was like Comedy Central Premium Blend, like way back in the day before, you know, people you know, Netflix and all these other platforms were the hot spot. I think somebody made a joke, you know, on Netflix, which is the new comedy central or something like that. <laughs> I think it's Gabriel Iglesias said that in one of his specials and uh, it doesn't exist anymore. Like you can't even rent it. I really wanted to see it because there were some bits that I was remembering when I first recognized, you know, uh, this person is comedian, but it's interesting because the landscape has changed, not just because of the last year. You know, you mentioned Zoom comedy for a corporate gig, but really, I think because of this now, this online thing or demand and streaming thing is really it's the future of how people are going to watch television. Right. I, in, at least from my perspective. Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, you know, like like Dave Chappelle just had that controversial special come out. And I watched it yesterday on an airplane on my phone, you know, like, so this thing that was, you know, I don't know what the production budget was for his, uh, you know, for his big special, it looked like the production value was crazy. And then I watched it on an iPhone 10, you know, <laughs> like, like, so it, yeah. I, I heard a long time ago and I thought he was crazy. Um, I saw Ron Howard uh, just doing an, an interview for a press junket for one of, you know, the millions of movies that, uh, imagine entertainment makes and he said he's like you know right now we're we're making movies for the big screen and pretty soon we're gonna have to make movies that are two inches by four inches and that's gonna mm -hmm. be the format for movies and i was like he is crazy but it turns out uh ron howard knows something about filmmaking <laughs> yes it's it's the future we just had um actor kim coates from oh. sons of anarchy and you know wow. various other things and he he's promoting this new movie that's on Snapchat called Action Royale. And it's about a group of kids who get into this, you know, gaming world and they lose a lot of money. And he plays the bad guy, of course. And how do they raise money from getting their legs broken? You know, will they play video games? But it's all story and character driven. And it's on Snapchat. They release episodes every other day and they're like 10 minutes long. Wow. And it's it's Snapchat has done other things like this in the past. But this one, you know, according to what I've read, is really has experienced the most success. And they they use regular cameras. They shoot it like a film or like you would shoot a special or a sitcom or whatever. But it's on it's the monitors are all cell phones like they're and it's not landscape it's or not portrait but landscape and that's how they're watching this in video village every day that they're filming this thing and it's it's taken wow. off by storm it's crazy and i think the headline 
for a lot of amazing people like yourself that I've talked to, it's like, that's where we're at. Like, you know, I watch shows on demand. I remember growing up where we would watch things in real time, you know, or like David Copperfield has a new special or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we sat around and we waited for this. Or even recently, you mentioned Dave Chappelle and, and all of this and how quick he's turned around now and is answering back to these people who have, have, have who've yelled at him essentially. Um, and that's already up and it's all, and this is all being watched by myself and you and millions of other people on a phone, on an airplane, you know, going from one gig to another. It's crazy. And, and it, I think it's great that people can watch the special or even a podcast literally anywhere with any kind of smartphone. Like, yeah, to make content is so easy, you know, I think if you have good material. And I think that's what drives, you know, yeah, people would want to watch something on the go. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting as, as somebody who, you know, like, like I, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm at the top of my game. Um, you know, I don't want to compare myself to anybody else, but I feel like I'm at the top of my particular stand-up game right sure. now. I just did the special I'm writing my new hour. Um, and so I, you know, like I'm, I feel like I'm doing stand-up comedy at a high level for me. However, I feel like that's about 50% of my job right now. Like my job on the same computer that I'm zooming with you on, uh, I also have my Adobe Premiere Pro up uh, because in Pittsburgh, I shot six hours of footage from this last weekend. Uh, wow. And, you know, I did a, a two camera shoot. I, I do a, a camera from the back of the room. Then I take a GoPro up on stage. I actually have more cameras than that. Um, but I've noticed that I only really choose two angles, <laughs> like the dead okay. on angle and then the, you know, the audience angle. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I hook myself up with Sennheiser lav mic. So it sounds like pro audio. I, I actually have gotten good at audio mixing so that it sounds like a special um, but every single week I'm, I'm clipping up all these little clips of audience interaction that I have, and then I'm throwing them up on my Instagram. Uh, I'll promote it. Peatly, Peatly, Peatly is my Instagram. I couldn't get Peatly. So it's my name three times. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask about that, but I kind of assumed it was that or somebody like already took it and you had to come up with something. That's I guess what that's it was, better yeah. than like underscore hashtag at, you know, or something like that. Yeah. I like, there are so many people that will go, they'll either like, if they're like, for example, they'd be like Pete Lee official or, um, you know, like the real Pete Lee or Pete underscore Lee underscore underscore. And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want people to, you know, like, like I, I mean, to be fair, some of my fans are like, you know, old people and I don't like I, I'm like, it's easier for them to type in P-E-T-L-E-E. -E, and then like I will be the second or first or second one to come up like like the the guy that the guy that has Pete Lee. I think I looked at his profile and he hasn't posted in like 10 months. You know, <laughs> so course, like Instagram is not a giant thing for him. So I, I think I might reach out to him and just be like, hey, man, can like, can we trade? Do you want to be Pete Lee, Pete Lee, Pete Lee? Uh, you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll get a lot of weird DMs. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, like going back to the production thing, like it's crazy that now production wise, you know, I probably spend anywhere from 10 to 20 hours a week, uh, you know, just editing, um, j just editing footage and, and like making it look all good in HD and then exporting it to specific parameters. Uh, like I have to export export for IG, uh, for TikTok, and then also for YouTube. So like I'm doing two, uh, you know, 
two uh, vertical things and then two horizontal uh, or a, a horizontal video. And Facebook's also horizontal. So I have to like edit the video in HD, subtitle it, put all the graphics on it, and then also put it in four different formats so that people can enjoy it and experience it. So it's it's interesting that I'm essentially cutting together a bunch of little specials every single week. Yeah. And, um, and I really dove into that project after after tall, dark and pleasant. Cause I, you know, I helped edit the special as well. And, um, and like, I was like, wait, if, if I can do this with, with a special, like, why can't I do this every week? And, um, you know, I'm already, I've, I was already proficient in Adobe premiere pro and, you know, I already had a lot of camera experience cause I had had web shows and I'm like, why am I not doing this? So many people are releasing standup yeah. clips every single week. And why am I not doing this and just putting it out there? And, just recently, like I'm starting to see, especially in, in COVID Delta, um, a lot of people are coming to my shows. Like sometimes the only people that come to my shows are fans that saw the thing, uh, you know, because uh, a lot of the clubs are, are kind of hurting right now. Oh, God, I don't know what I just did. I, I touched a thing on my laptop and all of a sudden Siri came up and it was like, what would you like to do today, Pete? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't need you, Siri. Uh, but but yeah, it's just it's just interesting how the landscape of everything is um, is changing. And then I, tomorrow, um, like I, I'm, I have this pilot idea, and it's it's a pilot that I can shoot from my neighborhood. And um, oh wow! And uh, the production company was actually the production company we're working with just took over the show Jeopardy, like the game show okay. Jeopardy. So they reached out and they were like, "Hey, we can't we can't do the shoot tomorrow." Like cuz and I'm like, "Why?" And they're like, "Cuz of Jeopardy." Like we have to like all hands on deck for Jeopardy. And <laughs> so I I reached out to them and I was like, "Well, look, we're just shooting a pilot and I have all the equipment and like I have people in my neighborhood that could help do the camera stuff." And so I'm just going to shoot the whole pilot myself and I'm going to cut it and then uh, you know, we can basically decide what we're going to do, you know, production company wise, like, like they'll help us shop it around or, you know, like w- whatever we do. But so it's just like, normally that would have been bad news and entertainment to go, Oh, the production company had to reschedule. And then I reached out to them and I'm like, we're not rescheduling. I I'm still filming it. Cause I have, I have 4k lenses with huge or 4k cameras with huge lenses and, you know, monitors and I have the whole setup. So why not just do it? Yeah. I mean, it seems like a lot of comedians are doing that. Like Andrew Schultz is, he does all of that himself. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. It escapes me here at the moment, but like a lot of people are just taking the bull by the horns, so to speak, and just doing it and getting the content out there. I was the same way with YouTube. I had all of this archived footage of a million amazing people that I had talked to and I hadn't put any of it up on YouTube. And I had somebody reach out to me and say, you really need to just start uploading this. You can figure out things as you go along. And it's been surprisingly interesting, the response, you know, I mean, it's going to be a slow burn, I think, for us with YouTube, but that's okay because the content's getting out there and it allows it to be accessible for anybody to whether it's somebody maybe coming on the show or somebody just panning through YouTube, you know, and they come across a video of this conversation or maybe somebody else. And it's, it's fascinating. Um, you mentioned that you're working on a new hour. I want to kind of delve into that process for you because I know for everybody it's different. So, you know, in communication with your 
PR and stuff, Katie, she's kind of mentioning you're going out and flying and filming and things. Do you write the material down and then you just work it in the clubs, wherever that might be, and then eventually decide, okay, now we're going to film this and then shop it to uh, whoever you're shopping it to, who handles the back end stuff for you? Yeah. the um, So I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a really great team of, you know, agents and managers and stuff. And uh, I, in my opinion, I think I, have, I, I, like I lucked out in the, I think I have the best manager in the business and. Um, oh, huge and, for both. Yeah. And PR it, too. I yeah, mean, it's crazy. It's, it's insane. And, you know, Katie with the, you know, with the PR is like, like I, one of the things like when, when my whole career went away in COVID and when I say that I'm not being dramatic, like there was a long period of time where I was just, sir, I woke up and I was like, all right, so there's no comedy. So I'm going to wake up and I'm going to write jokes because uh, I'm doing these zoom shows, but I don't really, I don't have a career because there's like no end in sight for COVID. And I don't know if we're ever going to be able to gather in a room together again. You sure. Know, I'm assuming we will be able to, but, but I don't know. So like I would wake up, I'd write a little bit for an hour and I'd feel like I did my job. Uh, I would edit videos and then I would go surfing with my neighbors. Uh, I live right by the ocean. And that was one of the things I did for myself in COVID was that I moved closer to the ocean so that I could just have a physical activity and then after I went surfing, my neighbors and I would drink beer until nightfall. And then we'd go to sleep and wake up and I'd be creative, edit, surf, <laughs> repeat. And um, so it was it, it was um, like, I feel like I, this is a long answer to your question. But um, so the uh, uh, the process for, you know, doing a new special it's essentially like, like I didn't, when I got the opportunity to do this special, I had to go out and tour in, in COVID and like unvaccinated and, and like just hit the road hard and go, huh, fingers crossed that I don't get COVID before the special taping. And even the week <laughs> of the special, we were getting, you know, we were all getting COVID tested like crazy. And so my, my manager was like, what do you want to do material wise? And I was like, I want to, I want to like literally put every great joke that I've ever written into this thing. And then he's like, well, what are you going to do for round two? You know, because if this is a good special, somebody's going to want to buy another one. And I'm like, well, I'll sink or swim. Like, I, I got to start writing again, you know, afterwards. And also, I've kind of been writing the whole time. So I'm not going to, um, you know, like, like I, I, I don't know how to put this. I just read this Vulture article. And it was about my friend uh, Ricky Velez and Gary Goleman and Neemish Patel and a few other comedians that are, you know, seller guys that are all my friends uh, from New York. And they, they talked about this experience of getting done with your special and then having to write a whole new hour. And the, the way that they kind of put it in the special, you know, I, I know Ricky Velez said that he just took a month off and, it, and Esty, the booker, the seller, called him and was like, uh, you know, like, Hey, where have you been? And he's like, I've got nothing, you know? And I was a little bit of the opposite in that for me, like writing, it feels like playing like, uh, okay. you know, like in addition, like, I think I was like 15, no, not 15. I think I was like 13 years into stand up, And then, um, I was actually opening for Louis CK and, um, you know, of all people, people feel one way or the other way about him, but you know, he's been pretty helpful to me in my career with a lot sure. of, a lot of great you advice. Can't, you can't take that away. Yeah. 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 You know, and, um, but he, he really helped me out a lot and he told me that I should go study at the UCB because, you know, he's like, you need to learn all types of comedy. 
So I learned sketch and improv at the UCB and I took all their courses and um, I never wound up, you know, being within their system or doing, you know, like the, like the mod or Herald Knights or whatever, you know, that you got to audition to be on a team. But I just took everything that I learned and I, I, um, like I've, I put that forward in, in everything that I've done, uh, like standup wise and show writing wise. And, um, you know, and even in like in the pilot that I'm going to shoot tomorrow, I'll use those skills. Um, but like I, it shifted my focus from like, oh my God, I got to write really great bits. Like, that's what I used to think is like, I got to write really great bits that my peers are going to like and audiences are going to like. And I was always putting pressure on myself that something had to be great. And, um, and then at the UCB, their, their whole thing is like, don't like, don't try to write something funny, try to write something fun. Like, just think of the, like, ask yourself the question, like, what's fun here? Or like, what's the fun thing here? And they're like, don't, don't look at this as work, look at it as play. Cause otherwise, what are, what are you doing here? Like you should have chose a career to bank if you want to work hard. And, um, <laughs> I, I get this comment from people all the time. They'll but like man, you work really hard and you write really hard. And, and I'm like, I don't think that I write really hard at all. I think I just really enjoy it. And, um, and like, I pretty, my writing process is pretty much, I go through my day. I, you know, like I put stuff into my phone, uh, like, uh, my girlfriend will say something, I'll say something, a friend will say something. And I go, Oh, that's, that's a nugget. Like that's a little golden jewel that I can put into the little felt bag. And then, uh, what I do is I like usually before I go on stage, maybe like a half an hour or an hour before I go on stage, I scroll through that stuff and then I just go, what's the best of the stuff that I've written down? And then I usually take two or three of those things. I'll take a post-it note on stage with just like one word from the thing. Or if there's like a sequence of things, I'll write down the word and then the three things I got to remember. And then when I'm on stage, I'll actually look at it. I'll take a minute or I'll take like just a second while the audience is laughing at another thing. I'll pick up the beats of the thing and then I'll try to organically say it to the audience, you know, like how I think it's, it's funny. And it's kind of like a sink or swim. Like, like sometimes I'll be in the middle of a great show and then I'll try to throw this thing out there and then it'll just bomb. And I'll go, well, that was a new one. I tried to pull one past you. And then there are other times where, you know, the audience will laugh like crazy and I go, oh my God, like I'll tell the audience like, wow, that's a, that's a brand new bit. I just, that's the, this is the first time that I did that. I've ever done that bit. And it's interesting to hear the audience's response. Like they will cheer like, like, yeah, like we were a part of something and they really were, you know, like, cause they were the group of people that I tried that out on. They were the ones that, um, like helped me establish the timing of the, of the bit because, you know, like the, the timing of a bit really, um, like the, the timing. Oh, I, I just got a thing that said my internet connection is unstable. And I think, uh, uh, I think someone, I, I, I've got, I've got a lady cleaning in my house brag. Uh, this is the first time <laughs> I've ever hired flex. a house cleaner and, um, yeah, flex, uh, comedy is back. I'm touring and now I'm paying a really great cleaner to clean my house. And I, I think it. she might've just bumped my Wi-Fi. But can you still hear me? <laughs> I can. We're still hot. We're rolling. Uh, yeah, you're good to go, man. We're all right. Good. 
All right, good. Then I can actually see it. Like, so I'm out in the pool house, another brag. Uh, I'm out in the <laughs> pool house and then I can see her through my window and she's like literally vacuuming right by where my Wi-Fi is uh, on the ground. Um, so love it. Uh, doing well enough to have a house cleaner, uh, not doing well enough uh, that my Wi-Fi is not on the ground. <laughs> that's, I love it. That's where I'm at. Um, but yeah, the, uh, um, yeah, the, uh, the process is I, t- I take it on stage and the crowd has a lot to do with the timing, like, cause their timing of the, f- the timing of the first time that the bit happens really starts to establish what the timing should be for the rest of the times Got that it. you do it. And, um, and there's different timing with every crowd. Like you, that's why you got to really do the bit a hundred times before it's really great is cause you have to do the bit with all sorts of different timing and the way that you're kind of like when you're opening acts are on stage, you're kind of scanning the crowd to go like you're reading the little minute uh, timing of your opener to go, okay, this is how this crowd is. And there are times when the crowd is really tight and you're backstage going, ah, shit, like, like, ah, shit. Like I, I have some new bits and I've never done them this fast before. And I have to rely on the idea that my brain's going to be fast enough with this new material that I don't know very well. And, um, so that that's kind of an interesting thing, but that's also a, a, a time where you can go up there with a new bit and the crowd is really tight and you got to think on your feet and you wind up thinking of like five new beats to the thing because the crowd's shitty. And so like, like a, a bad crowd can actually be a good crowd because it's like, sure. a, like a, a curse that's a blessing, you know? I, I just find it all so very fascinating because... I'm just thinking back to when you do, let's say, Jimmy Fallon and you get the standing ovation and everything really is great. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. But then as a and this is a human being on a very visceral level, you're thinking to yourself, OK, now I have to top that and write and, you know, just do all these things. So for you, it seems like the process you're writing, you're writing, you're thinking about putting a special together, but really you want to just put the best of the best together. Maybe not even some greatest hits or maybe a few here and there, but really putting something new together uh, and then shopping it out, you know, from club to club or wherever. And then whether you do a tour or however you decide you're going to do it. And then you also have the added benefit too, if you're filming everywhere you go, you're getting instant feedback from, you know, whether it's fans or whoever's watching you or who comes across your video on say YouTube or, or Facebook, you know, as the algorithm sends it out to people, <laughs> whole nother conversation. Well, yeah. But you're like, okay, this is it. And then you're just tightening the wrenches and, and all of that and everything. And then I think Greg Fitzsimmons said the same thing. You know, he really likes to watch the people that are opening for him maybe listening, you know, to how the crowd is responding and things like that. So you can, you know, run offense and go, okay, this is how, how, however I might perform in San Jose tonight may not be the same way, you know, because you're a seller comic. So that's a whole different thing. It's not like the comedy store and a lot of New York comics, they're really two different groups of people. I think, you know, (laughs) yeah, they Uh, are. it's not the same, you know, because you have a lot thicker skin, I think. And, it might be, you know, I don't know if it's more challenging or easier to get past the seller versus like the store, whoever's running things now. But 
like it's it's a badge of honor it seems but then you know you can go there and perform in a safe environment and you have the support of SD and and the people that come to see you and that's great because it just kind of what it turns out to be is what we get to see like this you know tall dark and pleasant and then whatever else you're working on next which you know I'm excited to kind of see what you come up with you know because I I find that these specials I mean they're so good you know and then it's like well how do you how do you top that you know what I'm saying that's the thing that I find fascinating yeah how do that the how do you top that thought is one of those thoughts where I definitely have it on a weekly basis, but then I have to push that thought out of my mind. Cause like, sure. I, I think to myself like, man, how can I top that? And then, uh, I like the things that are comforting for me is that I'm, I'm constantly thinking of new things that are really great. And I'm also, I'm a better comic now than I was six months ago. And, sure. Of course. You know, we, we taped the special on February 25th and I remember I, told myself, I was like, I was like, I'm going to give myself a day off. <laughs> like not to sound like, like somebody who's hardcore, but I was like, I'm going to give myself one day where I, I just party and I have no material and I think it's funny. And then I'm going to start writing the, you know, the next hour to, you know, the next day. And I, I'm luckily somebody who like being a seller comic, we have this thing called new joke night at the cellar in New okay. York city. And, and I live out in Los Angeles. I'm wearing an LA hat. Uh, I am an LA guy. I'm in development at the comedy store and hopefully I'll be a paid regular there soon. I, I do um, submit avails there each week and, you know, perform there. And, uh, but their, their system is more of like a tiered level. Like you get into the minor leagues and then you get to the major leagues. Whereas at the cellar, you have the big scary audition and you're in or you're out. And, yeah. That's um, the difference. Like, the comedy store just I think too it's just the depth of how many people are at the comedy store you know what I'm saying like I know comedians who aren't necessarily what they would be called you know I don't even know the term to describe it but they're regulars at the cellar like Sarah Stolomachi you know Joe List's Mm -hmm. wife and things who perform there regularly it was like a one-time thing and then that's it and now she's they're all the time performing at whatever time, unless, you know, like a Ray Romano comes in and bumps everybody. But <laughs> I've, I've heard the seller process is far more uh, arduous as far as just, you know, kind of getting in there. But once you're in, you're in, you know what I'm saying? And that's yeah, crazy it, to me. It is interesting. Like, like the second that SD passes you, she lets you know, like you're in the family and you have like, you have the keys to this house and every room is yours. Like, like every room is yours. And, and you know like like you're in you know and um you're you're not paying your dues you're not you know doing any of that like you're in and welcome and the whole staff you know the staff at the cellar treats you um like gold from the get-go and uh it's it's just an interesting thing because it's you know you're so on the outside of the cellar for so long and then when you get in you're just in and um you know and and they really want you to have carte blanche to be creative and they, they have these things called new joke nights where um, so Monday and Thursday are new joke nights. And your your one requirement to be on the show is you got to just ask to be on the show. And then the other requirement is that you're all the material that you do all six or seven minutes that you do has to be brand new. So you can't have ever tried it before. And everyone is on equal footing. You know, like I've done I've done the show before where it's like me and then John Stewart goes up after me and then Chappelle and then Kevin Hart and every. <laughs> 
every single person on the show and you know and like mark norman and sam morell are doing it and joe mackey and sarah tolamash who you you know who you mentioned roy wood jr's doing it uh you know like uh you know mehran kagani is doing it like there it's it, like every single person is on equal footing in that you have nothing but you like everybody everybody kind of started competing with each other and writing a lot of new stuff each week because you didn't want to go up and eat shit on new joke night. So <laughs> when it first started, everybody's like, what is this? And like by like week two, everybody was like, oh shit, Mark Norman brought seven powerful new minutes. I'm going to make sure I have a new seven minutes. So um, with that sort of background and having done that for years at the cellar and then also doing this week at the comedy cellar, which was a, a TV show where we had to basically go in and do new, new joke night but on television for Comedy Central. And um, so like at, with that sort of training in my, in my background, uh, developing the new hour for the special, I was like, okay, I'm gonna hit up every open mic in LA for a couple of weeks. And I did, like I was, I was performing in back bars. Like uh, at the time, there really weren't supposed to be shows in LA, but there were all these like secret speakeasy shows which oh, yeah. there were no indoor <laughs> shows. It was all like you were performing in like a rich person's backyard that decided just to host a show or, or an alley <laughs> or an alley. There were a lot. I did a, I did a lot of shows on like loose asphalt in, in alleys where like where there would be people that would just like get one of those electric generators, set up lights and sound. And then you would like run in there with a bunch of hipsters and do a show and then hope that the cops didn't see that you were in the alley. It was, it was a really <laughs> wild time in comedy. And, um, you know, and shout out to all the producers that made that happen. But I would just take my, you know, my sticky notes up on stage and I would, I would try out new stuff. And if it would work, it'd work. If it sucked, I'd just like laugh. Oh, that sucked real bad. And then I remember I had like a month before I went out on the road again. I took, I took a whole month off after the special uh, just to write material. And then all of a sudden I remember the first week back, I think it was at the, I want to say I was at the Omaha funny bone. And I remember I took all my sticky notes with all the stuff and I like really prepared and looked at it. And then I was like, well, here goes nothing. And I took like the best of all the stuff that I had, you know, tried out in LA. And I was, I, it was really interesting because I was hoping that I had a new 45 minutes. Cause that's kind of like the minimum that a headliner can do. And I remember I had like an hour 10 and I was like, Oh shit, I'm a, I'm ahead of the curve. And I remember my, my agent, uh, Justin, he was like, send me the tape. And I sent him, uh, I just sent him the little, you know, voice memo thing from my phone. And he was like, holy shit. He's like, you're, you're way ahead of this. So for the next couple of weeks, I just like kind of, you know, pair shaved that down to my favorite stuff and, um, really tried to like think of it from the most lazy point of view that I could, like, what's the easiest to perform? Cause usually the easiest jokes to perform are going to be the best ones. Like, mm -hmm. like where you don't really have to nail the timing. You can kind of, it, it's so funny. You can kind of have varied timing. And, uh, and then I shaved that down, shaved that down. And then by June, I was like, all right, I'm in a really good spot. Cause I don't really have to have a new hour until July 9th when my special comes out. So that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I'm like, I'm a, I have a month to really get this to where it needs to be. And then I remember the special premiered and immediately I was like selling out every single week that I had. So for like the next three weeks, I was selling it out. And I remember people coming up to me afterwards because people don't necessarily realize, you know, when you taped the special or not, but they'd be like, holy crap, I can't believe I saw you 
because uh, my special came out on Friday, July 9th. And the next day, there were people that came to my show in San Diego and they were like, wow, you wrote a whole new hour today. And I was like, <laughs> that's funny. That's really funny. You know, I'd been working on it for several months, but, you know, it was a compliment that they that they liked the hour. And then now I've been in the process of taking that hour that I felt like was kind of done by July 9th and going, okay, so it's not done. And I have a lot more to write. And, um, you know, and, there, and taking it all around the country, you know, there are bits that were working in La Jolla that week uh, in San Diego that when I took it to Des Moines last week, the crowd was kind of like, eh. And, and, you know, and then you read that instantly and you go, okay, well, so that bit's like, uh, so now I, I'm taking that to Cleveland in a couple of weeks and I'll see if they really like, you know, the, the pairing of it all. So it, it's like, it, it's definitely, um, yeah, hours, um, but I do, I've probably written about two hours, but I just need, before I, I go around and I shop it, you know, to, you know, to a platform or a network or anything like that. Like I need to make sure that it's all home runs. And then I also need to make sure that it's like, it's all kind of speaking through the voice that I want it to be in. Um, meaning like speaking through my point of view, my, my comedic point of view, uh, I never really say this on stage, but it's just basically like, it sucks to be nice is yeah. what my comedic point of view is. And, um, you know, within that framework, I can talk about edgy subjects. I can talk about dirty subjects. I can talk about, um, you know, really squeaky clean things or, you know, the, just the pain of niceness and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I can kind of run the gambit, but like that's got to be in there for everything. And, um, you know, and, and so there, there are times where I, I find myself just talking on stage and it doesn't really fit that. And I go, okay, well then that's out. Or if, if I want it to be, and I need to figure out a way that I can do those punchlines, you know, through that filter. Um, so, and then, so yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't know when it will be done and ready, you know, ready for a new, you know, another new special. Um, I know some guys try to do a new special every single year. Uh, I'd rather have it be good than frequent. Sure. <laughs> you know, like I, I've seen guys do specials every single year and, and I go, oh, you know, sh should have waited, <laughs> should have waited a little while Yeah. I've heard longer, that you know, before like, from lots of people actually, more than mm -hmm. you'd be surprised, you know, it's like every year it's a new special in front of a curtain. And then for some people they can write like that and that's great. But, you know, I think there's, it's okay to put a little space in between, you know, the timing as much as we would love to see new material all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like from you or from anybody, really, it's like, I get why it would take so long to put it together because it's a labor of love you know and it takes a lot of work yeah and you you just want it to be you want it to be like to go back to the concept of fun i want it to be as fun as possible and um i want p i want it to be i want the bits to be so good that when you're taping the special you go oh this is a no-brainer you know like yeah. like all of these bits stacked together it's so easy to do this and it also takes the pressure off of the filming night you know you're you're not going wow i need a perfect environment in order for this to do well you're you're like if even if the crowd is pretty shitty this is going to go pretty well cuz the you know cuz these <laughs> jokes are so so tried and true um you know that's that's the 
that, that's the thing that you really want on the night of the taping. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, that I get another chance at another special. I I'm trained. I'm definitely tra- training for it. And then, you know, another interesting thing that you brought up that I want to just touch on is part of the process of doing the special and then also filming things so that I have content on social media is I have to, I have to come up with a lot of content for social media. That's not going to be in the next special. Yeah. And, um, so what I've been doing is I basically, I do a lot of crowd work in my shows and I, I like to riff and I like to improvise. And, um, that's something that I don't even know if I'm known for it, uh, but I'm really good at it and I love it. Like I, I really enjoy doing crowd work. And so my compromise is, um, my compromise basically is that I'm only going to put crowd work or topical jokes that are just ready to be burned that really couldn't be done in a special uh, up on social media. And those are going to be the two categories of things that I'm going to put on social media. And then other than that, I'm going to save everything for the special. And, um, and so that, that's what I've been doing. And it's, it's hard for me sometimes because like this last week in Pittsburgh, uh, like, you know, I got this, like, I got this really great joke that I know that if I put it on social media, it would blow up and get a, a huge amount of views. I would get like instant gratification from this, but I can't do it because I think it's going to be the opening joke to my special. And so like, and, and it's not just that I I'm saving it for the special. I'm I'm also saving it to go to the next town because uh, lately, especially in COVID, the majority of the crowd are directly my, like my fans. And so my fans have seen my Instagram, they've seen the latest video uh, they've seen the latest thing. And I've, I've even done little tests where when I try to do a thing that I've done from social media, the crowd just doesn't laugh very hard because they've seen it. And not only did they see it, they saw it that day. Cause like they kind of pre-gamed <laughs> and they want like, yes. they got excited and they watched the videos from my Instagram or maybe they showed their friends that they were going there with. So like, if you get up there and say that people are like, Oh, well that wasn't spontaneous. That's just uh, you know, this is like canned crap that he's feeding us. And, um, and so it's been a real big balancing act, but I think that's been really fun uh, for my tour to know that I have two objectives. Um, I have to run the material that I'm developing that's new stuff that's going to be in the new hour. And then I also have to, I have to ad lib and riff enough that I get enough content for social media out of it. And it's like the more that I riff and the more that I play and the more that I ad lib, the more content I'm each week like that, where I actually have to like pare it down to go, well, if I'm only going to do, you know, five or six clips from Pittsburgh, I got to choose the best ones. And then they end up being hysterical. And, uh, I, I just, I started doing the initial edits yesterday on the flight home from Pittsburgh, uh, of Pittsburgh. And I have 20 minutes of really great footage that I've pared it down to so far. So I got to figure out what like what it's going to be. So it, it's like a, it, it, it's like an interesting thing in the process. And then also in reviewing all that footage, I'm also watching the new bits and like, let's say I threw in a little morsel or like the timing was a little different. I, I also have my notepad document open while I'm editing and I'm going in there and I'm going, all right, you like, make sure you hit this beat and this bit, or like that was the line that you improvised in that one that made the whole thing go. Or uh, in writing, I've also found that like sometimes I'm just bullshitting on stage and I, I throw a line out there and 
and like without watching all these all this tape, I would never get that line. But I I get to go, oh, that was that line, and I get to pick that up and create a bit out of it. So it's it's a really it's a really cool process. I I almost feel like an NFL coach in a way that I'm like watching tape every week <laughs> from the last yeah, week. It's very fascinating, and of course, everybody needs to check out Tall, Dark, and Pleasant, which is great. It's available on Showtime and streaming. And of course, your YouTube channel where you put all your clips up and your social media at Pete Lee, Pete Lee, Pete Lee. Uh, easy to remember. And uh, we'll link all of that on our show notes. This has been a very fun and fascinating uh, conversation. I, I always love peeling the curtain back and just getting to see how the sausage is made, so to speak, of what you make look so effortlessly effortlessly. Uh, on stage. Pete, thanks for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.